Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new movie podcast, Movies on the Air. I am one of your hosts, Thomas. I have a YouTube channel called Some Guys Movie Reviews. I'm also joined by Brian, who has a YouTube channel himself. Brian, did you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Brian, and I have a YouTube channel called Critical Flick. Been doing uh, movie reviews for about six years now. Feels like it was just yesterday. Wow, is it that man, long? It's been, it's been a long time. I had to go on a look, and I was like, man, I think we started in 2017. Our first review was Logan, so that's how long ago that started. That's crazy. I um, I started long ago, but I've been on and off. Uh, life happens, so <laughs> yeah, I have uh, I haven't been able to keep up with it as much, but I've been much more active here recently. Um, well, awesome. So the we're doing this podcast to discuss all things movies. Um, today, we're going to be looking at Talk to Me. We both saw that together uh, yesterday. And uh, so we have thoughts there. We're going to talk a little bit about A24 as a production and movie studio. I think you and I both share a lot of love for what they do. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. Probably my top right now. I mean, we've had some come and go. I mean, I love Neon and a few others, but A24 has just been pretty consistent the past five or six years of putting out really quality content. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I definitely agree. And um, yeah, right, right around the time where I really started getting into movies, they started taking off too. So we'll dive a little bit into that. Um, we're thrilled to be doing this uh, because we want to be able to share our love for movies with uh, other movie fans out there. So I think that's why we really wanted to do this, but also have a more in-depth conversation. You and I were talking uh, recently about how we feel like with YouTube, it's a little more concise to the point where we kind of want to have a more uh, in-depth discussion about the things that we love, which in this case is the movies that we see. So anything you wanted to yeah, add definitely. there? Yeah, definitely with the growth of like short form content, like YouTube shorts, it feels like you need to get your points across and like, less than three minutes half the time so it's kind of nice to have a more long-form discussion about a movie and not have to kind of brush over some of the more detailed points in that yeah yeah absolutely um all right so let's go ahead and get started here so before we start talking about talk to me i wanted to kind of uh go into a24 we kind of already mentioned how we do love the studio what what's your history with a24 what was the first movie you saw what what really cemented them as the top studio for you so I had to go back and look. And actually, I think the first movie that I watched that they put out was The Spectacular Now, which is actually quite different than a lot of the content they've put out in the past few years. But I mean, when you look back at that film, I mean, it's so interesting how they were able to take these up and coming actors and actresses that are now, you know, indie darlings and some of the biggest names in the industry, whether it be Miles Teller or Brie Larson or Shailene Woodley, yeah. and kind of like mold them. That's one of the things that I've always loved about that studio in general is that they take chances with some actors that people might not do otherwise either as someone who has a you know reputation that they haven't been around in a long time or they take new actors and give them opportunity to shine so that was my first one and then also i think under the skin was a close uh, second and yeah. the fact that i watched that movie and i was like this is an amazing studio because i mean it just it, that movie is all about taking risks it's so strange and bizarre and i think that's the biggest thing that i love about a24 is there like opportunities to make these insane swings when making films and not really be beholden to a big studio in that way. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, spectacular. Now that's a good one to bring up. That was, I remember seeing that back in the day and I didn't know what to think of the ending when I first saw it without going into spoilers. It has such a, uh, different type of 
way of ending that film, especially with the story that's being told. I think you, we all, I guess when I watched it, I thought it was going to go a certain way and it, it went a different way. Um, yeah. It really subverts expectations for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then under the skin, what a divisive film. Uh, like you said, uh, I, I think a lot of a 24 fans really love it. I think that Scarlett Johansson uh, is really good in it. It's a very, very unique film. I don't know that I personally love it, but I do respect <laughs> the artistic uh, integrity on display and then the creative choices that they were able to, to bring to it. Um, and honestly, it's it's one of the movies that made me more interested in looking into film criticism because it was one of the first movies I ever watched where I was like, I need to go look up somebody's critique or analysis of this movie because I'm like, I'm not sure I understand what's happening here. Like the first time I watched it, right. I think when I was able to look up and see somebody break down a film and the way they broke that film down, I was like, okay, there's so much depth to film that like there's there's a lot to see here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's funny. I when I was going back and looking at the A twenty four movies, I I thought like I knew the point that really you know um, where it caught my interest, but <laughs> I forgot that um, my sister and I uh, we saw Spring Breakers in theater actually uh, back when we lived up up in Maryland, and uh, we saw it at a smaller theater, and I forgot that that was A twenty four. Because it was just so yeah, long ago and such a different movie. And yeah, it's one of their first films. I remember when I was looking at the list to go back and see what my first one I watched was. And I saw that. I'm like, oh, well, you saw one even before I saw any of them. Because yeah, yeah. that was, I think, one of their first two or three movies they put out. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. That movie still holds up really well today. In fact, I think it's better today than it was then because it was kind of ahead of its time. And the fact that we weren't getting a whole lot of movies like that now, I think that... Uh, especially film fans and and people who see a lot of movies have grown quite fond of more, these more interesting, creative type films, and that very much fit in fits into that space, you know. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels like there's a resurgence of that too. With some of these big tentpoles not performing as well as they used to, mm-hmm. so I think we're going to see some of these smaller movies really get an opportunity to get maybe more showings at theaters and kind of get more of attention. Obviously. You know, in the film spaces, the Oscars, the awards places, they all have pretty much recognized A24 is one of the best studios in the world. But yeah, I think general audiences have caught on a lot more than they have in the past. But I think, you know, it's really getting the ball rolling the past few years with like everything everywhere all at once and some of their more accessible mainstream films. Yeah, yeah, that was that was back in the day when I had a celebrity crush on Selena Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, another uh, example of yeah. them taking a risk? I mean, putting yeah. Selena Gomez in a film. I mean, at that point, she hadn't really done a lot of you know anything. On the camera, uh, it was so, so different. Other for her. than you know, Wizards of Waverly Place. This is like right. her almost like coming of age adult thing was going into Spring Breakers. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, yeah, it, so uh, it cut you know fast forward to what the the moment that I thought I I became an A twenty four fan was, um, and you probably remember this. Uh, back when a most violent year came out when i first saw the trailer for that i was so excited i thought it was going to be like the greatest thing ever i i did really like it but i don't think it's the greatest thing ever um but that's that was when i first thought like oh that was when i started liking a24 but um but yeah then i then i saw spring breakers so yeah i mean they they do a great job of cutting a trailer and they're just the aesthetics of most of their films are really appealing i think to mm-hmm. most film fans Mm-hmm. So yeah, they definitely draw you in with their their marketing and their advertising more than most studios. Yes, for sure. Um, now you you all you have um, a bunch of A twenty four like 
stuff like merchandise and stuff like uh yeah that's yeah. what i mean they even have their own like fan club thing i'm yeah. not a member of it but they, they give you like you know they like monthly or quarterly award like uh, rewards and stuff and they try to get more engagement with their audience right which i think is interesting for them being kind of a smaller studio they still kind of push for that making themselves more accessible to their fans when i feel like the big studios like the disney's and the the wb's and the universals of the world i feel like it feels more detached where right. with like A24, they're trying to make these very specific products for a very specific audience. Yeah, one thing I found really interesting, not that it matters a whole lot, but uh, you think like motion pictures, you think films, you think like California, you think Hollywood, you think Los Angeles. However, A24, it, I from the looks of it, it sounds like it was created in like New York, which is yeah, was pretty yeah. interesting. Um, interesting read on that. Um Awesome. So let's go ahead and transition into Talk to Me, which is what I think a great new horror film uh, that uh, not only has great horror, but it has uh, a great metaphor uh, or allegory, um, the main point. But I wanted to get your thoughts first. I'll kick it over to you. What did you think? What did you like about it? What did you not like about it? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I was really surprised by this one. Too too many times in recent history, I've seen these horror movies get really hyped up. Everyone's like, oh, it's the scariest thing you'll ever see. It's like the wildest movie. And then you go in and it's like, look, it's a pretty average film. Yeah. But going into this one, I mean, it definitely lived up the hype for me in particular. And the fact that it was created and directed by two brothers that made these like ridiculous Ronald McDonald YouTube videos that I watched back in the day. I saw you said that in your review. (laughs) I know. Like I, I, I heard they were YouTubers and I was like, okay, maybe they're like more, you know, people that do stuff more now. But then I looked, I'm like, oh, their most viral videos were these like really unhinged videos from like, you know, nine years ago, I think. Right. So it was kind of remarkable that they were able to pivot to make like this really subversive and deep film because like yeah. it seems like on its face it may be kind of a silly movie, but it really isn't. There's a ton of layers to this, and I love that you're able to dissect that throughout the film, and people can get a different experience from it. Right. Yeah, I 100 uh, percent agree with everything you said there, and we'll we'll go into spoilers maybe after we kind of just give our positive negative thoughts. Um, I I really liked the main lead actress, uh, Sophia Wilde. I think is her name. She plays Mia. Yeah, I think she gives such a strong central performance, and all the acting's really, really good. Actually, I think it holds together very well. I've um, filmed my review. I haven't edited it and stuff yet, but I I do like that there was some comedy in there as well. Uh, uh it, that I felt worked in specific moments, especially with the the mom character. Again, won't go into spoilers, but I thought there was a really funny scene in in the movie that I actually laughed at. Um. But yeah, this metaphor, this allegory is, I think, what separates this film from other horror movies that I've seen recently, which tend to lean just more into the horror aspect or the uh, whether it be supernatural or just, um, you know, um, like the Freddy type movies where it's just slasher. Yeah, Um, I really like that this one had something to say, and I think it's pretty, pretty bold. Um, So. I will say, I, I don't know if you agree with me as far as I think it's a nitpick. I'm going to be right off the top. I think my only <laughs> negative would be I do think in the third act, the pacing kind of feels a little bit off compared to like the first two acts where it's very much like it has this very nice balance of stop and go. Uh, yeah. Whereas like the third act, it kind of is trying to resolve all of these things and answer some of these questions. I feel like it kind of um, 
loses it a little bit, but that's a real that's a nitpick. It's a minor it's a minor um, criticism on my part. Yeah. And I do think it kind of plays into what you said, how they blend a little bit of comedy with the darkness of the film. They are almost are like two or three needle drop moments in this movie, in particular, the very first scene. Like, you yeah. know, right off the bat, this movie is going to be kind of crazy, but it blends in kind of these party atmospheres and these like really fun times with one of some of the worst events you can ever see take place on film. So they kind of have that balance in the first two acts where it's going back and forth between kind of lighthearted. These characters are kind of likable people. And then there's some really terrible events that'll happen. And the third act is pretty much very dark and very somber compared to those first two acts. So I can definitely see the pacing of it slowing down in that third act because of that. Right. Um, Yeah, I I totally agree um, about that. Uh, What did you think of the way that it handled the horror elements such as i don't i guess i mean visual effects because there are probably some visual effects in the film uh did you think it blended well did was any of it distracting no i think they actually did a pretty good job because it seemed like they use a lot of practical like um, um, prosthetics for a lot of like the really brutal scenes in particular i think that only really noticeably cgi part was there's a the part in the third act with like an animal. I don't think it looked bad though. Right. But right. like in the beginning, there's a practical effect using that same animal. And I think it looks better in my opinion. Yes. So I always yeah. like when horror films stay practical, it makes it look more intense and more brutal. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, also, so maybe we can jump into like some spoiler territory. Cause I do want to kind of go into the central message, what it's about, uh, maybe touch on some of the, our favorite sequences in the film. Um, so that's our warning here. We are going to dive into spoilers. I think both you and I highly recommend it. Before we do that, what did you what did you rate it? Uh, I actually give it a nine and a half. I think it's yeah. one of the best films of the year so far. It's definitely in my top five for sure. I agree. It's it's definitely up there for me. I'm I'm going to give it a nine um, just because I don't do halves. But if I did halves ratings for my channel, I think I'd agree. I think it's uh, it's an excellent film. I, we both highly recommend it. Um, all right, so let's dive into spoilers. Uh, the main message or, or metaphor, allegory in this film is, is it dealing with addiction and drugs, um, which I didn't know going into it. Did you know that? No, I had no clue. And I was really surprised when I saw it playing out that they were going to take that route with it because yeah. I, I honestly thought it was going to be in many ways maybe like a traditional teen horror movie or a supernatural film and it does take that more allegorical approach to it which i think is it really elevates it like you said from other films of the genre yeah it was it was shocking to me at how um how much at the forefront it was um but also how integral it was to all aspects of the film from dealing with mia's uh family dynamics with her mother who uh we find out has passed passed away but also then how we get to see these um, younger adults in high school or college age where they are um, experimenting, you know, at the age when, when people are typically experimenting with drugs and, and trying to get that, uh, for lack of better word, high feeling, which is what's kind of portrayed here when they, um, you know, participate in this this act with the hand which i thought was really cool by the way the hand i know you mentioned that in your review and i i think that's a, a good point how they mentioned that and how it the it kind of brings in the yeah um, and it, it feels almost it feels almost a little bit like with the hand itself there's like a little bit more lore behind it it gives the yes. movie a little bit of depth because you don't really know where the hand's coming from the hand has all these 
like random things written all over it. Like, what does that mean? Is that how many people have had it? Has this thing been around for hundreds of years? Like, what is this thing? But they never really fully go into it. So it gives it that little air of mystery as well. I like that too. Uh, you know, I don't need oftentimes, you know, I, a, a fair criticism is sometimes by it, you get to the end of a film and you're like, oh, there's some questions left unanswered. Sometimes it's okay though. And I think in this case, it works out really well because I don't know that I need to know the total history because that's not what this movie was really about. It was about these characters and what they were going through and uh, the addiction aspect, which I thought really hit uh, hit home. And by the end of it, the way it wraps up with her character realizing that she's being manipulated by the spirits and she has to essentially take her own life to protect those that she she loves. Uh, I just thought it really worked well. I was really impressed um, with this one. I um, I can't wait to see it again, actually. Yeah, and honestly, I think the addiction elements themselves help make the movie work in a way that feels more believable because some of yeah. the things that the characters are doing are you they're such terrible ideas like it's yes. such a bad idea but then when you put it in the framework of an addict kind of chasing like you said chasing that high they're willing to make these risks because they, they just don't care like at that point their brain's working in a totally different way a totally illogical way and with horror right. movies i mean that's a big criticism is characters make dumb decisions that happens right. in almost every horror movie yeah. but this yes. one gives you that kind of guise of oh well they're just chasing this this high or this addiction so it makes their decisions make a, at least a little more sense on their face right yeah no i i totally agree um i think that this this movie will i'll remember um because of everything that it kind of um embodied with this this message and themes throughout and um I've, st I've still thought about it honestly actually i saw two horror movies this weekend that i really the other one's less horror even though they labeled as horror uh, but they were both really expertly done, and I'm I'm really excited about that because I've kind of lost a little bit of hope in, in horror movies. I think the last one we saw was Boogeyman. <laughs> I don't know. That one just yeah, felt it's, so – It's so generic, and obviously it's working from very old source material, so it feels yeah. like your traditional film. And that's what kind of separates this apart. I know you had mentioned when we left the theater about it kind of lacks the conventional jump scare tactics that a lot of mainstream yes. horror movies have mm -hmm. and it relies more on its themes being the scary part. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, it's, it's not about the jump scares. It's not about the, it's not like the conjuring with the, even though there are spirits in this film, that isn't essentially what draws the horror. It's these actual events and what these characters are going through. That's horrific in a realistic way. So um, yeah, I hundred percent. Yeah. Cause agree. I mean, I, I think some of the scariest moments in the yeah. movie are when you're put in Mia's mind and just like yes. what she's struggling with as an individual, not necessarily like the creatures or the gore, but her right. own like traumatic emotions are like more, you know, scary than the rest of the movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that uh, if, any other thoughts on, on it that we want to go into before we kind of rank our top five, no. 24 films. I think we can jump right into it. We can go right to awesome. that. All right, so I figure we'll go five to one. We'll alternate. Um, so I guess uh, how about you go ahead and start? What is what came in at uh, your number uh, five? And I will say it was very hard for me. I, we were talking off air before we started recording. Um, I didn't realize how many of these movies are really good. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, you could ask me my five today, and I think it'd be different tomorrow. But I went in there and I looked. And I think with my number five, I had to pick something. That's a little different because I usually, you know, I'm into horror sci-fi the genres I love, but my number five is actually uncut gems. I think it is 
just a masterclass in tension. Obviously, yeah. I put Adam Sandler back on the mark as a serious actor. I mean, everyone knows him as a comedic actor, but he's done some incredible serious roles. And I think Uncut Gems is like his quintessential serious role. And the movie just, I mean, the Safdie brothers were able to really perfect what they did with Good Times or Good Time and bring that into Uncut Gems where it's just nonstop. It really reached with a lot of like regular conventional like uh, audiences. I think it's just a really exceptional film. Yeah, that's a really good one. That was that one surprised me uh, much like another movie I watched over the weekend where the the lead actor, I just didn't know they had it in them. Um, you know, I didn't know that that uh, Adam Sandler could kind of bring that type of character to life uh, in a movie like that. But I agree with you. The tension is palpable. Um, talk about addiction, right? Have a different yeah, type of addiction. Yeah, but, yeah, it's another another kind of thing where you're watching this character that you want to kind of want to root for, and they just keep making the wrong decisions over and over and over again because they're just you know addicted to that that gambling that that chase. So it's like the same kind of themes of what make talk to me as interesting as it is. Yeah, I agree. That's a great choice. Um, so my number five is one I don't know if you've seen or not. Um, but it's called Kill Team. No, I actually um, haven't seen that one. Yeah, so it uh, it's it tells the story about uh, a military unit in the in Afghanistan during the war in Afghanistan, and it's about the moral choices of this commanding officer and what he puts his uh, his unit through. Uh, and I don't want to spoil it but uh alexander skarsgård is the highlight here uh he gives a really great nuanced performance and almost in an, an evil way too uh because you know the way the this movie definitely has something to say uh with so if you're um you maybe aren't into movies that might have some sort of political messaging messaging you might want to stay clear of it but i know for you and i we're, we're cool with that we're, we don't mind that um i just thought this movie was really well done it it tells its story at a, a brisk pace all within i think it's only like an hour and a half and it was such a un different take on this military genre a lot of times it's very like pro-america and like you're you're just so on board with these soldiers you know uh completing their mission doing whatever they need to do and i i don't get me wrong i, I there's a place for that i like those types of movies too but i thought this one kind of took the opposite approach and we're like well here's the here's a true horror of war here's something that happened you know during afghanistan and and sometimes you know we weren't always the good guys um and so yeah. i thought that this movie did a good job of highlighting that yeah, I always think it's interesting is when films kind of show the horrors of war and the moral dilemmas of, you know, every not everybody's perfect all the time. And like there are, you know, atrocities that happen. I mean, one of my favorite movies of last year, All Quiet on the Western Front, I think showcases that when people yeah. go into war thinking, you know, they're the the good guys, they're doing the right thing. And then by the end, you see kind of the horrors that affect people when they're in those settings. And I think, you know, film's a great way to display that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's your number four? So my number four is actually The Whale. So mm -hmm. I, I love this movie. I know it's not for everybody. I know that Darren Aronofsky's style is not for everybody. But when I, you know, when I saw it, it really connected with me personally, having struggled with weight issues throughout my life, kind of understanding what our character Charlie's going through in the film. And I think that Brendan Fraser gives a, you know, obviously a career performance. He won the Academy Award for this role. He's yeah. phenomenal in it. And I think it creates a story that really showcases 
what people can struggle with and how you can still have like a light to your life, even if you have these horrible afflictions upon you. So I think it just really connected with me personally watching it and I actually saw this film at the uh, Middleburg Film Festival and Brendan Fraser and the uh, writer of the original play was there. So it was great to see kind of their perspective and what they went through to make this film, and what they were feeling while they were creating and writing the story. So I just think it's a pretty exceptional movie. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. I I did really like the movie. Um, I thought that it um, did some interesting uh, film techniques with the aspect ratio and the way that it was primarily set in one apartment. I thought it was really, really cool. And I thought they utilized the space pretty well. Um, they had a lot of great acting in that with Sadie Sink and Hong Chow. And I specifically remember Hong Chow's performance because she – you could tell that she cared about him deeply and there's a lot of moments. There was one moment specifically in that film that, that takes place like on the porch where she's talking to uh, the young guy in it. I forget his name, but it was, it was just really, um, really hits home. And I, I totally get how that could be ranked very highly and kudos to Frazier for getting that, getting that. Who would have thought yeah. getting an Oscar after seeing, <laughs> You know, not that he's a bad actor or anything. He's obviously very, very good. Uh, in fact, he's a great actor. But given the his past roles, I just would have never thought he, you know, talk about a surprise. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's an incredible comeback. So that that yeah. adds to it too. It's just a, it's a feel good comeback story of you know an actor who seems like a really genuinely nice person from everything yeah. that I've seen from him. So I'd be interested to see what he's going to do moving forward. Now that this is probably going to open up some more doors for him. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right, so my number four, another one I don't know if you've seen or not. You may have. Um, and I will say uh, I was going to include Talk to Me in my top five list. Uh, not at this point. I was probably going to rank it like number three. Uh, but I decided against it just because we already talked about it. Plus, I wanted time to kind of to, to to pass so yeah, I can that, really that recency determine. bias will get you. <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to put it in there quite yet. But it, it, it was weighing on my mind when I was going through my list. But my number four is the exception um so this film stars uh a lot of people's favorite jai courtney I, i'm joking uh when i say that a lot of people <laughs> don't love jai courtney just because some of the roles he's, he's chosen uh but it also has um lily james in it uh, a lot of people might know her from uh the live action cinderella or um uh, baby driver um and uh, it was one of Christopher Plummer's last roles. I believe he passed some at some point after. Um, and this one was really, really interesting because it tells the story of a German soldier who um, has to infiltrate uh, this this palace with um, with Christopher Plummer's character. And he's trying to determine, like, is there a spy? If if so, who's the spy? But what ends up happening here is he ends up uh, forming this relationship with Lily James's character. And I won't spoil the film. I'm not going to say it's not predictable because I do think there are predictable elements of the film. But it really stuck out to me because it's so um, well staged, like in well shot. You really feel like you're in this brought back in this time period they definitely must have filmed somewhere in europe and like an old you know kind of these old locations that really make you feel like you're there it had a great sense of place and time um and so i really um i just really i really liked it a lot i i 
the more I um, think about it, the more I like it. And I think you and I both have uh, an affinity for some of these more historic films. So I like that this, you know, kind of tells that story during World War II. Um, so definitely one that I highly recommend for people who haven't seen it, uh, especially if you're into like these history movies. Check that one out. I actually haven't seen that one, but you're right. A24 has a pretty, does a pretty good job of taking its settings and making them feel very real. It feels very grounded. Like they don't tend to swing above their weight and make a movie that isn't going to resonate with people on that level. Right. And with, with World War II, I mean, obviously so many great films and stories come out of that time period. So it's, it's always a more powerful setting to place a film. And I think some of my favorite movies of all time take place during you know the first and second world wars because it is right. such an epic event that took place in our history i think everyone connects with it on some level because so many parts of the world were touched by that event right yep absolutely so what's your next one so my number three is actually midsummer so i was really uh, struggling to figure out i wanted to put you know at least one horror movie on here and i was like which one is my favorite and i just feel like Midsummer does so many things uniquely that other horror films haven't done. Ari Aster putting it almost entirely in daylight because it's taking place when it's 24 hour daylight, essentially, and just making it still terrifying, not having to rely on darkness and jump scares, but just disturbing imagery and just some really, really bizarre events happening on screen. He's a he's a weird guy. I have to say Ari Aster has to be something's a little off with him because <laughs> all his movies, he just does some stuff that I've never seen before. And I think it yeah. just it really is kind of creative. And then of course, Florence Pugh, who's probably my favorite current working actress right now that really uh -huh. put her on, you know, on the scene. That was like her first big role where people are like, Oh wow, this girl can really act. So I think that's great that that movie kind of helped catapult her career to what it is now. I mean, seeing her in Oppenheimer, everything I've seen her in, she's been pretty fantastic. And I think this was the first thing that really put her on my radar. Yeah, that's that. That's a good one. Um, that one's very disturbing in ways. Um, does have good performances. I'll never forget the scene where the uh, older people are on top the, of the, the cliff, cliff scene. and they just yeah. Yeah, yeah that cliff that. scene's a lot. I mean, that's yes, I mean it has some in incredibly intense yeah. imagery, and then also just the aesthetics of it. I feel like it's a very aesthetically pleasing film. I think you know people always think about the flower dress and all the things because yeah. you're taking this really beautiful setting and some really beautiful art and everything and blending it with this horrific imagery so kind of the juxtaposition of the two is is very well done awesome good choice on to my number three pick and i i did struggle between my three and two i went back and forth but um i think i'm gonna i think i've settled on the right choice we'll see uh, i'm gonna put causeway um i know that this one just came to apple it wasn't like it did get like a big release but um I loved that movie. It was it was my number two or three movie favorite movie last year. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is fantastic in it. Brian Tyree Henry is is great. I loved their relationship. I loved how it was able to tell its story concise and and um, and it. I liked the way it ended. I just really it just worked for me. I don't know. Like every now and then, movies just come by and just like work with what you're uh, looking for in that moment. And when I watched Causeway, I just really, I just really loved it. Yeah. I mean, I think the movie really flew under the radar. I think they give both, you know, Lawrence gives a great performance. We get great supporting form performance in it as well. And just seeing her do that film and then no hard feelings within like right next to each other. I mean, she's pretty versatile because like yeah. those are both 
very different roles. I think she did a great job in both films. And I think like the causeway has such an intimate story. Like it's not an intense or ridiculous film. It's a very intimate kind of character study of someone who's really struggling. Right. So I think that well, multiple characters that are really struggling. And I think it does a great job of getting its themes across. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next for you? So my number two, my one and two, we're going back and forth on, but I ended up settling on number two being a ghost story. Ah, now, a ghost okay. story, yeah. A ghost story is one of my favorite movies of all time. I completely understand why some people might think it's maybe boring or that it's just like too kind of strange or avant-garde or whatever. But I think it does probably the best job of any film I've ever seen of kind of displaying that existential feeling of like what you what time means for you as an individual in the universe and how we may feel that we're so important and we may think that everything about us is the most important thing to ever happen. But then this movie kind of lays out the span of time and how we're just kind of this blip in the universe and we don't really mean anything. So it kind of emphasizes to cherish the things that you have now and understand like your your significance in in history. And I think there's no movie I've ever seen that's done that before. And it just has some incredibly powerful moments. Everyone always talks about the uh, scene where she's eating the pie for like whatever <laughs> that is, three minutes straight. And I mean, that's showing you someone that's just at their lowest low, doing something just so like harmful themselves and just kind yeah. of disgusting, but not in like a, you know, a gory or any way like that. It really right. is just, it does a great job of showing all its different themes. And it, I will say there's one scene where we have a character that's kind of basically explaining the point of the film, which I don't love it, but I think it helps for people that maybe don't understand what the movie's about because it can easily get lost on people when you're watching yeah. it because there's very little dialogue and it is mostly just imagery and time passing. But I think it's it's an exceptional movie. And David Lowry, you know, he hasn't done a whole lot other than that that I've loved. I've watched everything that he's put out and yeah. you know, he put up the newest Peter Pan, which I didn't love. And Pete's Dragon's an okay movie, but it's so weird to go from Pete's Dragon to a ghost story. Yeah, <laughs> but he, he takes he takes his chances. I mean, I did really like he did a Green Knight as well, I believe. And yeah, I like that movie a lot. And that deals with time as well. So I think he's a definitely an interesting director. And I'd like to see what he does next if he goes back to more of like an indie film. Yeah, that uh, I tell you that the first time I watched that movie, I didn't love it, uh, but I've gone back and rewatched it and I've been able to really appreciate with what they're what the David Lowry was doing with his direction. It, you know, I've said this to you, it definitely takes inspirations from Terrence Malick and I'm a big Terrence Malick fan. I don't love all of his movies, but I just like how the simplicity and way he he shoots his films, especially as of recently. I think Badlands is one of the best movies probably ever made. Um, so I just really like that style. You know, it's very much a, uh, a, you know, you have the visuals, but you also have this audio experience yeah, with the, it. The um, soundtrack's also very good. And it goes, yes. The score and soundtrack's fantastic. Yes. And then like the way that he's able to take a single setting, but then still expand it out because he goes back in time in that like homestead area of that same house and goes forward or it's like a mega city. So you're getting one location, but you're getting multiple because he's just kind of taking one spot and expanding it out to its biggest possible possibilities. So I, I like that as well. I mean, it's it's a, definitely a low budget film and it's not, like I said, for everybody. But right. if you're into those kind of, like you said, Terrence Malick, more like experiential films, yes. I think it's it's a great one. Awesome. All right. So moving on to my number two, and this is one that I don't think you've seen yet, but I think that it's going to rank very highly for you when you do, because it's just excellent. Uh, After Sun. Um, this movie 
is like equally devastating but beautiful i don't even know how to just like describe it 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 essentially tells the story of this father and daughter uh going on vacation and how you know how our version of our parents when we're a kid is different than who they actually maybe are it has some re really um just poignant scenes in it that are just amazing uh, i was blown away by after sun and i this was one that i was like oh, i don't know if i believe the hype you know like everyone was really loving it while it didn't get nominated for anything i was um really eager to see was it going to live up the hype and it actually exceeded the hype for me i think that this movie is phenomenal um and it's uh it, it was hard for me to say whether it was one or two uh even though it is more recent I, I i couldn't exclude it from my list because i just very clearly think it's either number one or number two best a24 film i think it's that uh incredible so uh yeah, i hope that one's you get a chance to see it that was definitely very high on my watch list especially when i get caught up in award season i watch so many movies yeah. over the course of like that last two months of the year that that was one of the ones that because I knew it most likely wasn't going to get nominated for a lot of things. Yeah. I kind of ended up getting on the back burner, but it's definitely one I want to check out. I've heard great things about it. I've heard the performances are great. So yeah, I'm definitely going to check that one out soon. Yeah. I think it, uh, it should have been nominated for something. The fact that it wasn't is very disappointing to me. And just another reason why I don't particularly care too much for the Oscars that in addition to many other instances, but that's neither here nor there. I think we share the same number one. Yeah, I mean, we probably do. I mean, do you uh, want to go ahead I don't and say know it? If it? Yeah, it's uh, Ex Machina. Absolutely, I think Ex, yeah. Ex, Ex Machina is just a phenomenal film. Alex Garland just directs the heck out of this movie. He's born to do these kind of films. I think it really captures the idea of like a Turing test and even goes into things that are like it was ahead of its time. Like now we're dealing with AI every yep. day, it feels like. And back then, you know, it's felt kind of like kind of this really futuristic unrealistic thing but now it's like well i think alex garland kind of hit it on the nose when you're looking at it yeah i mean garland's direction is superb in this film it's shot beautifully uh the cinematography is outstanding i love the filming location i think it's in what like norway or finland or yeah somewhere. it's like on my it's on my bucket list to go up to that <laughs> hotel it's like an art hotel that has a bunch of because like, obviously it's filmed in the main hotel but yeah. there's a bunch of weird little things there so it's amazing that he found this random place to film this movie because it fits the the aesthetic perfectly mixing you know high-end technology with nature like blinding blending those two things together he's always been good at blending you know nature and technology and i think he kind of started with this film yes i agree and this is alicia vikander it, at least it's my favorite performance of hers i think she's outstanding in this uh i think that Oscar Isaac gives a fantastic performance, uh, very subtle nuance, but also, again, kind of has that can come across evil at times, even though he's he maybe not evil. You know what I mean? But he has that that sensibility to him. Donald yeah. Gleason does a good job, kind of that fresh out of water type character coming into this insane kind of uh, test that he that, you know, that's being performed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you're seeing someone like people today that are struggling to recognize AI versus a person. I mean, this is like the natural progression is to get to that level of what Ex Machina is, if yeah. we ever do get there. And even kind of 
bring in the idea of like the social media network thing of like bringing yeah. in all this neural network of taking everybody's information and creating its own learning brain. Like, I mean, I'm imagining if you went to the behind the scenes, Alex Garland had to do some research into what was being done with, you know, AI during that time, because I think he kind of does capture that idea really well. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that, um, Alex Garland's recent uh, film was quite the misfire, but I, I really, because of Ex Machina, because of some of the other stuff he's done, I'm always excited to see what he does next. So I really hope that he can kind of go back to this type of style, This because he's so good, like you said, at blending yeah. that nature and technology, uh, that I hope we get something more taken to this and less like uh, men. <laughs> yeah, I hope, he, I hope he gets back to his wheelhouse, because like Devs is one of my favorite shows. I feel like it really flew under the radar for people. Like It came out at like a weird time. It was only on yeah. Hulu, I think. So I think a lot of people didn't check it out, but it's it's really good. It's in like the same vein as Ex Machina and his other works. But yeah, men, it's just he he was trying for something. You can definitely tell that he wanted to get out of his kind of comfort zone and do something different. And I, I don't know. It's just it's it's too weird. Yeah, it's too <laughs> it's much. Just, that it, third act, it's like, man. It, like like I get what he's going for with it, and I think its yeah. themes work to a great degree. But by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, man, this thing got off the rails quick. Yeah. It got, it just, Ooh. Yeah. All right. So just to recap, I'll give my top five real quick, just uh, so everyone knows, and then you can just rattle off yours. So my five are with the caveat, talk to me, might crack in there. I just want to give more time, uh, but kill team, the exception causeway after sun and ex machina. And then your five were. Uh, uncut gems, the whale. Midsummer, a ghost story, and Ex Machina. Ex Machina, perfect. All right, well, that does it. Any final thoughts on Talk to Me A twenty four before we kind of wrap up? No, I think we 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 captured it all pretty well. I mean, there's like we said, there's so many A twenty four movies that have come out since they started that are all exceptionally good. Yeah. So like, like I said, this, this five, you asked me a week from now, I probably yeah. have a different five. Like I think a, one and two are pretty solid for me, Yeah. but I mean, and there's just, they're always creating some kind of new thing. And the, and the fact that they've moved into television now has yeah. made it more interesting. Like I've watched most of their television shows. So, I mean, they're really breaking out there. I hope that they never like change. I hope they stick with yes. what they are and what's made them successful. Yes, I agree. Um, I completely agree. Uh, well, as far as next time goes, we are hopefully going to look to do this maybe weekly, maybe bi-weekly. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to figure out like our schedule. Like We still do our YouTube. We do a full-time job. So um, we have our family, of course. So there's a, a lot going on, but we'll try to do these as, as often as we can, especially when it's movies that we really yeah. uh, feel are worth talking about. Yeah, it's if it's if it's a movie that's really you know remarkable or something that we really liked or even if we really disliked it, if you have a lot of thoughts about it, I mean, if we would have done this you know a week ago, I could have probably went for an hour and a half about Oppenheimer. So we might it, still do that. Then, I don't know. That might we, be the next one. I I, would, I, if, I wouldn't mind doing a Nolan centric yeah. one if we wanted to do that. I mean, heck, yeah. Maybe there's nothing we want to see this weekend. Maybe next yeah. weekend we just go into a whole Nolan themed one. A Nolan theme. That's right. Maybe that's the next one we'll do. I, I like that idea because you know Nolan's my favorite director. I think we're yep. planning maybe to see Oppenheimer again. I, yeah, I would well, like I'd, to maybe see it again. And we both um, have some some deep takes on some opinions on some of these movies. You with Dark Knight Rises and I do and you with Oppenheimer. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, well, excellent. Well, Brian, thanks for joining me on uh, this first episode of Movies on the Air. 
Um, and I want to thank everyone for listening and I hope everyone has a great week and until next time, we'll talk yep, to you thank then. Thank you everybody. All right. Bye. See you. Bye-bye.